Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday, and it's the last Friday of 2023. Uh, we're not going to do any New Year's resolutions or any of that kind of stuff. Um, it just, you know, when it gets to this point of the year, I'm just like, let's get past New Year's and get back to the normal. I mean, I, I, like I said, I refer to the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and the day after Christmas. It used to be the day after New Year's, but you know, there's like hockey and everything else is going on. So really there's no interruption. It's just like the ball drop and all that BS. And I actually, Russ, I was, I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was uh, Zig Fracassi, right? Um, who would uh, and he was messaging something on 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 X with uh, Ian, our our um, mm-hmm. editor from Full Press, about by being in Times Square for the ball drop. And honestly, there is nothing. There is no place I would want less to be. No, no, no. There's a way to do it, Mike. I, I'll mention this one more time for people that could still want to do it. The way to do it is you go and you get a package from one of the places that are on Broadway, like Go in there, you spend about 150 bucks a person, you get your dinner, you get maybe one free drink, something like that. You wait until like, you know, 1145, then all of a sudden they open up a door and it's to a part of the patio that's actually within the crowd, but not in the crowd because it's you're cordoned off from everybody because they you know have a metal railing and stuff and you could watch everything and just kind of be chill nobody just the only people next to you are the people in the restaurant so really nice that way that was the way to do i did that in 2000. if you could arrange that that that, if you could arrange that that would be fine but if you're like out there with all the other way now yeah if you're out there with all the smelly masses and you're just bumping elbows and people are puking i'm not going to wear pampers and pee in it and I'm not doing any of that. But anyhow, let's talk about something more dignified. Yes. The, um, and this is going to anger people. And I, predictably, I know how Mike's going to act, but that's Uh-oh. okay. There is a new movie coming out, and it's called Godzilla X Kong, The New Empire. And so the big thing in this movie is Mothra is in this movie. Now, Mothra versus Godzilla kind of goes back to, it's almost like Ali Frazier. It goes back to 1964. So in 1964, Mothra and some other stooge who's not around anymore, they flew Godzilla over the ocean. Godzilla killed that other thing with the atomic breath, but they dumped Godzilla in the ocean. So Mothra won that battle. Then Mothra died in another movie against Godzilla. So this could be the last one, the Thriller in Manila. And I really do think Mothra is going to win this one because Mothra is tired of Godzilla. It's- We're all tired of Godzilla. He, he's basically a piece of crap. It's the thriller in Godzilla. Yeah, no, there you go. No, it's it's. I, well, no, you know who's gonna win? Megalon is gonna win. <laughs> Megalon was in the last one. Megalon was great for ten minutes and got buried again. Yeah, no. I'm telling you, Godzilla is gonna finally go down. Mothra is finally gonna be the uh, the champ. They'll never kill Godzilla. Come on. 
They did. They drunk in 1964. They dumped Godzilla I mean, in the ocean. I mean, in, mo- in modern times, they'll never. Yeah. Kill- Godzilla is as immortal as John Wick. They need more su- sequels, so they'll never kill. Mothra is not the worst part of <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you don't even know. Listen, you know what they don't even do with Godzilla anymore? The the little women. Like I was sick of them too. I don't want to see them anymore. So you remember the three women that would chant for him? No, I don't. Yeah. So is Kong in this movie? Yes, Kong and Kong is always listen. I like King Kong and Kong. Kong will always be a worthy adversary, but Kong's kind of a dope. Kong is like the Gronk of the uh, of that kingdom. So Kong is doing USAA commercials. <laughs> no, I don't know if Kong could drive, but if he could. It would be it would be scary, but Kong probably plays pickleball better than Gronk does. Oh yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. What are these three women's names? Okay, um, I don't know this stuff. Like, I mean, like I know I know King Kong. Like King Kong has got good taste in women. Naomi Watts, Jessica Lang. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll give you one story. Here's my last story about the first Godzilla one that was kind of like after the really like lousy models but before it got great like now and that was the jessica lang one yeah and so there was a thing with newsday there was a uh a contest right if you signed up like 10 new people you got to see the movie so me and my buddy are like hey look why don't we just fake sign up like five people each and we'll cancel it after a week and it's still cheaper than the movie and we'll get to go to this special screening right. so we did and it was awesome <laughs> it was great and that were, was any the, were any of the stars there? Was like Charles Grove no. there? This is like in North Massapequa. Luckily, we just had the movie theater to ourselves. You know, it was just like the Newsday Carriers, which was cool. And it was great. And so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, that's as close as I got to like a big Godzilla premiere. Okay, Jan, break the tie. Are you pro-Godzilla or pro-Mothra? Or do you not care? Don't give a flying fig. Not my jam. Uh, see, Sorry, never, never has been, never will be. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. I'm being brutally honest with you. It's just not my thing. That's okay. It's fine. I'm kidding. Okay. That's let's, it. Let's start the show. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2023. Hi, I'm Jan Levine, and the World Juniors has been better than watching the NHL today. Mm. Russ Cohen from NHLDraftBuzz.com, writing about the World Juniors. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. That 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 Chechia US game was a phenomenal game We're to watch. Talk about it on yeah. the other side. And I'm Michael Agello, and I predict that Eck will get the the year wrong on the first show next week. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let, we'll start with the World Junior because Jan mentioned it, and I I watched. Uh, I caught the the last part of the third period, which was dominated by the US. Uh, it was 3-3 at that point. Went to overtime. The the U.S. had a power play. Um, I thought they overhandled the puck in the power on the power play. They could they they really. I mean, they kept it was it Leonard McGrory, um, uh, Gauthier, and Lane Hudson out there for the full two minutes. Um, I think they almost got caught on the at the end of the power play. Checky almost won it in overtime. Yeah, and it's they a went, four on three. They don't really practice it that much, Mike. I mean, I was at practice. They didn't practice that at all, right? They were just scrimmaging and doing some stick drills. So they don't practice it much. Then they went to shouldn't you? I mean, shouldn't I mean, Russ? Yeah, shouldn't you? I mean, that should be something. 
devote some time to. You don't have time. You really don't because when you go to these camps, you're trying to figure out who's in camp. And so you want the best against the best and you want to make your lineups a couple different things. They do practice the shootout, but the practice of four on three, that's that's a little much. Yeah, so then they went to the shootout and um, Yuri Kulich, the Sabre prospect, scored on a nice shot beating Jacob Fowler and then on the last opportunity and I'm, you know, five, five shots and that's international rules, but I'm so used to three shots in the NHL, but on the fifth shot, uh, uh, Perot, uh, Gabe Perot scored, the Rangers draft pick scored, beat Harabal, the uh, UMass Amherst goaltender. And then Isaac Howard scores and he's Tampa Bay draft pick, right, Ross? Yeah. Uh, he scored for us. Then they won, uh, four to three in the shootout. Um, I believe Slovakia is still leading that group, but the they have not. The yeah, but but they haven't played the U.S. yet, and that'll be right. for first place in that in that group. So, um, you know, very from what I saw of it, very entertaining game. I mean, I'm I'm really struck by how talented the U.S. are up front. But Russ, you, you said even back to the world to the U.S. camp that their defense was something that was going to maybe come back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have any sort of, like, Chesley's a rock-solid defenseman. They have maybe two or three guys who really play defense. And Hudson plays a good in the keep away and actually a, right. mostly a safe defense So I with puck retrieval. So I don't really count him in the group. But they don't have anybody really physical. They don't have anybody really the clear of the net. You saw that play by Sam Renzel. He's like a big, lanky offensive defenseman but he had no he had he gave Fowler no chance on that second goal you had someone behind the net you let him get in front of the net you don't even try and clear him you just kind of sway your stick at it It, it's not going to cut it they're going to have the same problems against Slovakia and there's nothing they can do because they just don't have any bigger guys so it's really going to take like that full team effort their whole thing is David Carl is like listen we're going to keep everything inside the dots and if you saw the Czechs did the opposite they went outside the dots. And when they went outside the dots, you've got guys like Kulich and whatever that have some size and speed that could get back in there and did cause problems. The thing about Fowler is, and I, I like telling this story because last year he wasn't drafted in the first round because people were saying that he was fat. He was out of shape. And even in camp this year, he had to sort of prove his fitness by saying what weight he was at. I don't think he should have to do that anymore, but he said it just to kind of, you know, shut up the naysayers, I think. Mm-hmm. He's a really good kid. He just – I got a call from him. This is how good of a guy he is. I tried to interview him about a week before the um, the draft, and I didn't get a chance. He couldn't – he didn't call me back. He would won a championship in the USHL, and so, like, you know, it never happened, right? All of a sudden, I'm at the draft, and it's about eh, maybe an hour before day two, and he calls me, and he goes, is it – can I still interview with it? Is it, is it still, is it too late? And I said, no. And I ran over to the side. I wrote on, I don't even know what I wrote on a napkin. I don't know what I wrote quotes on. And I made sure I got the article up and I knew with day two, obviously he was going to get drafted. And I was like, this guy is a first round talent. I think he's a number one goalie talent in you know, future in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And Montreal got a hell of a pick. And I just, I give him a lot of credit because he just was a, like a, like a lot of us when we were 17, 18, he didn't understand nutrition. Now he does. Now look at the difference. And he was great. And he really killed Kulik. Like being a little smart on that play and aggressive 
is something that he's really good at. He changed Kulik's second shot. That was big. Yeah, and and he made a couple really sprawling saves with the left pad that were that were impressive. Now, I, I, I you know, well, we'll see what James wants to say about. Oh, it. I'm go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Jim. no question. I mean, look. I mean, coming into the game, I think most of us thought that Augustine was probably going to get the nod since Fowler started yesterday, and Augustine was sick, and 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 Fowler was great. I mean, you talked about going wide, right? I think Fortescu got burned once um, with it going going wide because of the fact he kind of stumbled and lost his footing, which led mm -hmm. to the two-on-one and the trailer goal. So it was one instance of it. I mean, I thought the U.S. got a little lack of days ago, but I thought they also carried play most of the third. Um, mm -hmm. Rabel played a, did a great job for for Chechia and Net, um, stoning a lot of the opportunities. And the oh, goal, as you mentioned, goal. was Chesney. Chesney, you know, stepping into the high slot and a great feed by Hudson and him taking his time and picking a spot and hitting it. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the competition, you know, as you said, Chechia, they said it was is much more of a greasy game today. I think Slovakia is going to be kind of similar, a bit more oh, yeah. physical in terms of the style of play um, that they have, which I think the U.S. can can play that style, but they also want to utilize their speed more than anything else. But, I, but what I was impressed for the most part is they showed enough patience where they weren't trying to leak out all the time and try and leaving their defense, you know, basically the two on one and three on ones. It happened once when Fortesca was beat, but other than that, not a lot of two on one and three on two opportunities did a much better job in terms of preventing breakouts. I mean, the one goal was a bad turnover at the opposite blue line, which then led to that two on one, but they limited those for the most part during the game. Well, one, one thing going towards, you know, the medal round, when they crisscross, when you know, you know, the, the group that the U.S. are in, they will play. You know, it'll be one versus four, two versus three, etc. Um, you know, Sweden and Canada better watch out because in this tournament, a hot goaltender can beat you. And Horrible for Czechia, and Gajen for Slovakia, and Slovakia is really solid. Both goal. really good. They they could get hot, and those teams are not pushovers. Pushovers. They could beat a Sweden or beat a Canada based on that. So, I mean, that that's something to look forward to, to, and, or, you know, just to watch out for as the tournament. I'm going to tell you something that was funny too, Mike, something that I'd never seen TSN do before, but it, it's, it's, it's a big nod to the U S um, I'd never heard James Duffy try and figure out a path where Canada didn't have to play the U S until potentially the gold game, like saying, well, if they do this, this, and this, they won't have to see the U.S. until possibly the gold medal game, where that never used to be the the thing. It used to be the opposite way around. Like they would talk about who they're going to beat and when they're going to beat them. Not as confident this year, which for obvious reasons. And well, Sweden is really, really good. Also, also that would be the big rating get for TSN if it was Canada versus U.S. in the gold medal. But I mean, everybody. I mean, I think the the Canadian perspective has been pretty level-headed in this oh, sense no, yeah they they are not pumping up this team as a team that's you know the no. big favorite i mean it's in sweden now you know the swedes have always been great in the preliminary round i mean they're undefeated right now they're you know if they beat canada and they're up to nothing against canada right now if they if they go uh four and oh or whatever in the in the, in the thing is three now in the uh in the opening round um, you know, that means they'll play the fourth place team in the other division. That doesn't mean it's a pushover. doesn't mean that they're going to go all the way to the gold medal game and win. So, you know, things, things can now happen. Home ice advantage. And you can see, uh, Otto Stenberg plays great there. He plays for, for there. So he, but this ice, there's a lot of talk about the ice because 
Apparently, the ice, the ice in the, ice in the, the, the all, U.S. game honestly. was terrible. terrible. Not so much that it's terrible, too. Beside that, because I agree, it didn't look great. It is not full SHL or Olympic, I should say. It's not full Olympic-sized ice. We thought it was because it's for Lunda, but it turns out they've kind of like modified it a little it's bit. A it's, it's a hybrid. It's really a hybrid. It is still really wide on the edges, but then it's like the NHL down the middle. So it's think, like it's not true Olympic ice that they're playing on. I think Olympic is two hundred by. Is it two hundred by one hundred? I think it is. And you and 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 the NHL is two hundred by eighty five. Right. Yeah. And this is like somewhere in between. This is like two hundred by ninety or something yeah, like that. Yeah. What so, is funny though, like Barticus was mentioned, how they sang "Hey Baby" the crowd for like fifteen minutes. It did annoy all of us, no question. Um, my wife has asked me why do they keep playing, you know, tubular bells from the Exorcist. I'm like, I don't know. It's another country. Somebody else. Um, Dan, I'll tell you, yeah. in 2018 at the World Junior in Buffalo, when Hey Baby, Would You Be My Girl was the Canadian goal song, I got to the point where I had to wear, you know, those little yellow things in your ears when you're like uh, an airplane, bringing Air out the traffic airplane. controller? Yeah, because, it, no, 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 the, uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the, no, the guys who are on, on the tarmac, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was it was getting that because you know the Canadians were scoring that song as a goal song is on par with uh, with Hall and Oates. It's that bad. Oh no, it, it's on par. It's it, it's it's absolutely horrific. Of course, the Canadians love it because it, you know it, it sort of gets under the skin. Yeah, it gets under the skin because it's friggin' annoying. That's why. But yeah, it, one of our friends from Edmonton. I want to tell this to Jan, and then we could all comment. He was showing some of the um, the snack stands that they had there and in Gothenburg. And what's interesting is they just pile up stuff. So it's like they had like a pyramid of like pork rinds and a pyramid of like popcorn. But me, I don't want to get the bottom popcorn one or one in the middle where somebody else's bottom is touching. I don't want that. I don't want that in my popcorn. So like, that's the difference I think between people in the U.S. I would not eat any of that as a result. I wouldn't eat pork rinds anyhow. But that's well, I wouldn't eat popcorn because I worked at a movie theater. I'm sick of the smell of popcorn, the taste of popcorn. No, thank you. All yeah, right, I, I understand. I'll give you dispensation on that. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the events in the game last, in one of the games last night, which was Carolina and uh, and Montreal. And uh, it went viral on X after the hit by Stefan Nuisen of the uh, Hurricanes on Yuri Slavkovsky, the 2022 number one overall pick. And from my recollection, I think this is the second big hit he's taken this year. Yeah, I think you're right. He took three or four last year. And I, I'm pretty sure I know that he got injured. I don't know if if the injury was on one of the hits, but he was concussed a couple times last year. And and we were saying, you know, Russ, it's like he's a big guy who played in the Slovakian league, and then he played in the Olympics, and then he played at the World Junior. And except for the World Junior, he really wasn't exposed to guys opening up the Bombay doors on him. And in the NHL, he is, and he's a big kid, and he's not. He doesn't have that that radar to avoid that kind of physicality. And he got, he's got his clock cleaned last night. Now he's at practice today, but my point here is he's a big body and he can't avoid contact. And I was messaging with somebody last night. He says, this is Lindros syndrome. Nobody hit Lindros in junior. Nobody hit him in the first few years of the NHL. And then people started doing it. 
and he couldn't avoid the hits. And he's going to get hurt the way it's going. Right? Yeah, I don't get it, but he definitely went out of his way to do it, and I felt like really dirty as a result. It, it is kind of weird. I don't know if he is getting this because he's just big, or does he do any kind of like trash talking or stuff on the ice? I don't know. I don't think but, so. But I don't think so either, but guys are going after him, and I, and I do feel bad. I do. Dan, I mean, you know. So, he, so my view on this is I, I thought the hit was actually high. I mean, I thought the hit mm -hmm. was kind of dirty. I thought it was high. I thought he came up and hit him. Now, Grant, you want to argue he didn't protect himself? I'll grant you that. But irrespective of that, that hit was a dirty hit. That, yeah. that hit is one that, in my opinion, potentially is a suspendable offense based upon where the point of contact was and where he came to hit him. Wasn't playing the puck at all. Wasn't attempting to play the puck. And he lit him, hit, hit him high in the head with that primary point of contact to me. That's that's a predatory hit to a certain extent, and that's worthy of not necessarily a phone, but a phone call at least. I mean, again, the Department of Player Safety is an oxymoronic statement anyway, as we all know, but at least it should have been something that should have been reviewable because irrespective of he's practicing today, and it's great that he seemingly didn't get hurt. It's the same thing with Truba with the hit by Wilson was kind of a drive-by. This one really was was definitely one where he 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 aimed and he hit him high. In my opinion, yeah. that was what should have been called. Yeah, and uh, I just checked. Uh, Noisen is six foot one, two oh five, and Slavkovsky is six three, two thirty. So you would you, you could say, well, he was going up to hit. Yeah, you're not you're not going if you're hitting him chest. If you're hitting him shoulder to chest, then you're not having to jump up. But by jumping up, and it looked like he jumped up on that hit. He's going for the head, or he's going for the chin. And yeah, that's that's a predatory hit. But I don't even think he was penalized. No, yeah. I don't think, I don't think so either. The only the only guy the only guy who went sort of after him was Cole Caulfield, and right. Cole Caulfield's five foot nine and one hundred and seventy pounds. He's not going to do anything to Stefan Noyson, and he's probably probably the Canadians don't want him to. But nobody nobody called him on the carpet for doing that, and that's why a guy like Arbor Jacki is supposed to be on the team to sort of you know police that stuff. But I mean, but again, Mike, we talk about this. It, it's nice to have a player that's supposed to be policing things on a team, and we still see that these things are going to happen. I mean, even with Jacob Truba on the Rangers, who's probably the biggest intimidator now next to Tom Wilson until he got hit by Tom Wilson, um, you know, guess what? Rangers still get hit. They still have dirty hits. They still do it. There's never enough of a deterrent in my and, eyes. And, and the yeah. fun part is, 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 you know, the guys who I'm – Somewhat on Twitter is a Twitter Rangers group, and honestly, they're 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 unhinged in my opinion at times. They're like, "Well, this you know this hit never would have happened with Ryan Reeves." There, I'm like, are, "Are you like, are you effing kidding me? Like, pay attention, okay? A couple things. First of all, what happened with Panarin was a one-off. The Rangers knew they had to get tougher. The firing of JD and Gordon, I mean, if that was the reason why, it was ridiculous because I think both of them knew that they had to get tougher. So that's just Dolan wanting to rearrange the deck chairs to a certain extent. B. Reeves being there, if he's not on the ice, that doesn't help. And even if he is, he's sure as heck not really a deterrent because there are other things that happen. So the concept of deterrent doesn't really happen anymore. And the problem is, is, is look, the instigator penalty has gotten taken away the ability to players to police themselves on the ice to a certain extent. But also the referees and especially the league has done a bad job of handing down the prop, proper suspensions associated with this to clean up the garbage and make yeah. sure this doesn't continually happen. If they actually handled it correctly and there was a protocol and there was consistency and they gave out suspensions and they say, look, you do it once, 
this is what you're getting. You do it a second times, it's magnified. You want to do it based upon the length of time a player's out as well? Great. But until you do that, this will never stop. Chris Drury, call Brad for a living right now. He'll give you he'll give you a great deal on Ryan Reeves right this second. Um, also, you can keep you like all good three years. You're stuck with him. Yeah, no, he'll just be buried next year or bought out. And the bought the buyout, I guess, is something like less than four hundred thousand dollars, so it's inconsequential. Um, but but here, this is the thing about the, about your point about the instigator. I mean, we saw what happened before the the uh, the Christmas break with the the Sabers and the Rangers. Eric John, you know, Will Cooley hits Ryan Johnson behind the net. Clean check. It wasn't predatory. I actually think it was face to face. I don't think it was uh, from uh, numbers, you know, the, from behind. Uh, Eric Johnson, the veteran, sticks up for the young defenseman, gets into a fight with Cooley. Um, he gets the instigator and then gets the, and with the instigator, you get a 10 minute misconduct. And then, jumped out of the penalty box and mouthed off to the official. And that's why he got the game misconduct. Nobody seems to know why Jeff Skinner got a misconduct on that one. Probably he said probably something. Said, that he, he probably had to say something to the, to right. the official. Yeah. Right. I'm assuming so, he used no, the, the major league baseball term in terms of what gets you thrown out, but yeah, I'll tell you what I, what I noticed and I noticed this covering one of the flyers games that same week, there had to be a memo that went out with, by the NHL saying, start using the instigator. Because all of a sudden there were like two or three instigators called in a week or within a two-week period. And we don't, we never saw it called for like a long, long time. But now all of a sudden it's getting called. Okay, so Jan, you mentioned uh, Larry Brooks's column about Philip Heedle. Yeah, so clearly it's not ideal. So I'm, I'm going to quote from the column itself. And to me, there's there's one specific term in here that's the more con most concerning part. It says, Philip Heedle is returning to his home in Chechia for an indeterminate period in the next step of his recovery from the suspected concussion he sustained on November 2nd. The Post has learned industry sources have framed the decision reached in conjunction by the 24-year-old center and the Rangers organization as a reset in which Heedle will continue to skate on his own under the supervision of the trainer and skills coach with whom he works in the offseason. Sources have told the Post that Heedle who is believed to have sustained four concussions during his six-year NHL career in which he's been sidelined for injury 10 different times, has made progress while skating on his own at the club practice rink over the last four weeks and is committed to returning this year. The decision, reached mutually by Hedl's camp and team hierarchy, will allow number 72 to experience the next phase in his recovery at home in a familiar environment where he was surrounded by friends and family. And then it goes on. But the last piece is, if Hedl is unable to return during the regular season, the Rangers would gain approximately 3.8 million of additional space off the center's 4.437 million to bulk up for the roster. Using that money would not preclude Heedle returning for the playoffs. And to me, honestly, the the term that concerns me the most was two things. One, indeterminate period of time is the one yeah. where we have absolutely no clue when he's going to be back and look concussions, especially repeated ones. They're they're cumulative. You don't know what's going to happen, right? And then B. The fact that he, they've admitted now that, A, it is a concussion, which we all knew. B, this is his fourth in a mm -hmm. six-year career, and he's had mm -hmm. other injuries 10 times over that career. First and foremost, the concern is for the player itself from a health perspective, right? If he comes back if he comes back for the playoffs, it'll be like a Nikita Kucherov situation where there's no implications on the cap if he can come back. But the fact that right. they're returning him to go home to do that reset Lends you believe that you're looking probably at least two months down the road potentially, and right. it could be potentially for the playoffs. And then it's also feasible he may not be back at all, which would be very concerning. And 
Russ, you know, remember you remember Michael Sauer and what happened to him by the Dion Phaneuf shoulder pads oh, yeah. that he was wearing when we he hit him in the chin. And never I was covering the team then daily, and we didn't hear about Sauer for two years. And the la the last thing you want from a from a guy who is having chronic concussion issues is to come back after sitting out for four months or five months and come back right at the beginning of the playoffs where everybody is looking to clean your clock. That That's yeah. not an optimum situation. He's had a lot of bad injuries. I don't think he'll be back this year. I will also say somebody else did this not that long ago where there was somebody who was having like post-concussion and they went back to their home country. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And I don't know if that – I think that player may have taken a whole year off or something. Can't remember, but it just it sounds very reminiscent, like it's it's been done this way before, and that's why I don't expect them. I don't expect them it, back. Gaining the cap space is nice to say, yeah. But again, getting a center that could replace him is hard to do. Yeah, I mean, right right now you've got Sabinajad and Trocheck one two. So you know, maybe maybe Nick, that's Nick, Nick Mike Nick Medino is your number three right now. Honestly, yeah, right. who's your number three? And, and I think better than that, and he's yeah, been Nick, okay. But. Nick Benino is an okay number four, but yeah. you know, the suggestion of a Tyler Johnson as a three, that's not bad. If, that's if, not bad. if, if Chicago, you know, retains 50% on, on that, I think he's making 5 million bucks and it's an expiring contract. Okay, fine. Um, but you know where Randy's going to go. He's going to go, Oh, he did already. Monahan. No, he, he did. He did. Lindholm. He didn't do Monaghan. He did Lindholm. I know, but he should do Monahan because that's more. No, like I said, we've talked about Monahan, right? First of all, the cap hit is much more manageable, right? It's, one, it's, it's, it's prorated one point nine million, right? And even right. if it gets picked up a little bit, right, it's even better. Look, I would love Lindholm as a number three, right? I mean, I, I have, I'll wholeheartedly admit it, right? If you can get Calgary to eat some, or even if not, you know, they're, they're going to have to basically don't, create. I don't want to give up those kinds of assets. If you get Monahan, you can get Monahan, give up fewer assets and or less, right. less, you know good assets for a lot I of think, I, I, I still I, get a defenseman too. I think if you traded for Lindholm, that it would probably end up being a deal involving a first round pick and probably somebody like Othman. Yeah. And, and they're not, I don't think they're you in know what? Mike, to do that. Mike, no way. I know. No how. I know. Not happening. If the Rangers no, no, but did that's that, what they're ask for, but that's what, the, that's what no. they'd ask for. Yeah. Good. Oh, they, they can ask for whatever they want. I'm just telling what, you, there's no way I'm doing a first in general, and there's certainly right. no way I'm doing a first in Offman, and there's certainly no way I'm doing Offman to get a rental in Lindholm. Well, Jan, I mean, what I'm saying is, and this is leading into this article that uh, C, uh, that CJ and Pierre Lebrun wrote for The Athletic that I wanted to talk about before we end the show, is that the prices right now for the big names are ridiculous. Now, they may they – may, lower as it gets closer to the deadline but we know this we've been co covering this sport for a number of years probably it isn't going to lower and it's just going to be whoever is going to meet that price and Lindholm is probably the best center available in this you know rental free agent uh class um now you know Pierre Lebrun and, and Chris Johnson well, one other thing before them remember Barkley Goudreau is getting paid like a three seed. Right. But not not, they're using that way. But they're playing him on the wing, correct? I know, but he could play center. Right. But there's I mean, a, he, he could be the, the, but the short term a, fix. But there's a reason why he's not playing center. I know, but he could be the short term fix. I, I also think if they went and got Lindholm and Lindholm, let's say, wanted to you know, stay there, 
Yeah. Then they might be able to get Sakura and like a, a conditional first, and right. and, that, and maybe even another pick. That's something where I think they would be interested in doing that if Lindholm didn't ask for the moon because the cap is going up. But I have a feeling that Lindholm will would price himself out. Anyway. Now, um, Lindholm is one of the players that uh, CJ and Pierre LeBron mentioned in their column. Um, LeBron speculates that the Bruins, and this is basically, they're playing matchmaker here. Who do you think this player will go to? And Pierre guessed the Bruins, which I, I, I said makes perfect sense because if you look right now, you know, Morgan Geeky is playing, uh, you know, playing up the middle, either second or third line. Charlie Coyle is a good third line center. They've moved him up. He's been scoring, but I think they're looking for center depth and Zaka, you know, if they get themselves a number one, Zaka probably moves back to the wing. But if they get yeah. themselves a number two, Zaka maybe stays with Pasternak. But um, the the question is, is does the do the Bruins have enough assets to get Lindholm or to get uh, you know Lindholm? And I don't know whether they do. It'd be you know somebody like Fabian Lysel or John Beecher or something of that nature. Yeah, it would be. Beecher and or Lizell or both of them and a pick. And I don't know. I mean, if they do that, like I said, there's not much left in Boston. Now, does that bring them a cup? I guess it gets them closer to a cup. And based on where they're playing now, I guess they're a top five team for the cup. Mm. And we have to at least put them in that conversation, yeah. especially if they do this move. So, you know, Boston's been rolling the dice for years since <laughs> – since, since the draft, we're not going to mention the year and stuff. And and at some point they're going to pay the piper, but they haven't paid it yet. Eventually, you know, the, the you know everything it's going to evaporate. I mean, you know, Marshand will get yeah. too old and everything. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to give up Quatris because they, you know they've already played him like forty games in the NA or almost forty. And he looks games. good in the World Junior, so when he yeah. comes back, they're going to probably put him right back in there. Right, exactly. Now, uh, Chris. Um, mentioned the avalanche and the avalanche makes a lot of sense because you know i know ross you, you don't think you don't think ryan johansson is a, is a good to see I don't, I don't. and 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 ross they brought in ross colton and he's been okay but he he's can't okay. i mean but he's, can't a three, move up. He's, a, he's a third liner right but but you know the thing is okay what do they have to give up i mean they're not going to give up bowen byram in a deal no. you know so i mean I, like I, their 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 prospect pool is not exactly deep, so I don't know whether Colorado can make that work. Now, like here's where, like the, again, here's where the cost is going to get ridiculous for certain teams. Now, Chris Tanev is a name we've mentioned on the show a bunch of times. Pierre LeBrun um, speculates that the Devils might be a team that would be interested in Tanev. He also mentioned uh, yeah, where, who, who's leaving the lineup so Tanev can play. Well, I mean that's assuming that Dougie Hamilton's not coming back. I well, was let's just say Hamilton's not back. I mean, you're, you're taking yeah. Ball out now. You're you're one big rugged defenseman. You're taking him out. Like who are you taking out? You're taking, I mean, I, taking out Luke Hughes. Like who's he replacing? Well, I mean, he's a right shot defenseman, Russ. So well, he mean, would replace Ball Hamilton. hasn't been Russ Ball hasn't been particularly good this year. No, but I mean, you need a certain mix of defensemen. Right. Tanev is certainly a little better. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm just saying it, it just seems weird that that might be what you do. And I'm not well, sure that's going to fix it. 
Well, he's also pairing that with the potential of them trading Markstrom to the Devils, which would be, you know, Markstrom's not a rental. He's got another couple of years left in his contract. Um, I, I'm not sure how they would make that work money-wise. Um, you know, now they could do it in the short term because Hamilton's cap hit is $9 million bucks. And the combination of Tanev and Markstrom, I think, is a little over 10. So you could maybe move things around. And I'm sure there'd be bodies going back uh, to Calgary in this deal that are on the NHL roster. But I'm not sure how, how feasible that is. But it, I think it's within the realm of possibility. But CJ. Here's a funny thing, okay? Mm -hmm. Because of the last couple of years, now everybody is getting traded to the Devils, right? Because they have cap space and because the last couple of years they've done things. Right. This is. I think this year they're looking for a goalie, and that's about it. I really don't think they're looking for much else. I don't think they should really mess with their lineup that much either because I think the more they go down that road, the more they have a chance of really kind of screwing things up rather than getting them to gel. And so I, I, mean, I feel I, like they're just going for that goalie, and that's it. And Randy I mean, is saying that. Randy is saying that Elliot uh, Friedman mentioned Markstrom to the Devils as well. Sure, that's uh, a possibility. Go ahead, Jan. I mean, again, Mar Markstrom, as you said, is long-term. Either Hannafin or Tanif is a short-term rental, right? So if you if you right. utilize Hamilton's salary on long-term IR, it's fairly – it's not perfect, but you, you only have a small stub amount that remains that's a variant between the two because Markstrom's Markstrom looking up is at 6, Tanif's at 4.5, Noah Hannafin's at 4.9 right now. And you look at Hamilton, I think what Hamilton's, what, about almost $9, 9. million or something on LTIR? He's $9, 9. Million, right? So you're looking at somewhere between $1.5 and $1.9 million that you got to assume, which I think the Devils might have the cap room to do so. And they need help on their blue line right now. It's a very young blue line. They do need some experience, especially in the players. Look, Nemec and, and, and Hughes are the future, and they're going to play. I don't think Siegenthaler's had a particularly good year. I don't think Ball's had a particularly good year. And they do need a fairly strong veteran presence on that blue line, especially down the stretch. Siegenthaler is valuable. I mean, Ball would be the guy that would come out. But again, and, I just – And Siegenthaler played very well when, with Hamilton. That was a pairing yeah. that, that worked well. Now, the the, the other team that, that Chris mentioned uh, with Tanev is the Leafs. And I don't know how that would get done because, like I said, Tanev is making over four. The Leafs don't have the cap space. The Leafs don't have the players on the roster to trade to Calgary in terms of salary that would balance it out uh, unless somebody went on LTI. Yeah, but they're a third team in there, Mike. Right. Well, but but, but Russ, they also don't have the assets. They well, have, I mean, they could that, trade. But, but let, let, me, let me finish. They don't have a second-round pick for the next three drafts. They don't have a first-round pick in 2025. So for a guy who may – be coming there in the summer for nothing in a year where I don't think you have the goaltending and the depth on you know, defense. Here's something that could happen, right? Mm -hmm. So so you look at this and you say, okay, the Leafs trade Nick Robertson to Arizona, they get a second. Then they offer that second, and, and it's an Arizona second, so it's not bad. And somebody from the Marlies that has a little bit of game, you know, Alex, not Alex Steves. So. Right, Steves. And there's your deal, and 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 that that might work. Yeah, that actually, that's a possibility. But the problem is they wouldn't be able to fit the four point whatever million dollars. No, that's, Arizona will take money too. I mean, yeah. that's the other. Um, now the interesting one will end on this one. The interesting one here is Jake Gensel. Now I don't know whether Pittsburgh 
is going to trade Jake Gensel. He's a rental. Um, he's I don't Crosby's think, guy. I don't think so. Well, th- this is the thing, Russ. If he's Crosby's guy and you're out of the playoff race and you're convinced you can bring him back, why wouldn't you trade him and get assets and then re-sign him in the summer? Uh, how be- often does that really happen, though? Right. And, and, and be- Mike, I think the big part is also is, are you concerned with the message you're sending him by getting by sending him away? And B, are you also concerned the place, depending on the place where you send him, does he really fall in love with that place and decide, you know what, the grass is greener on the other side, I'm going to go, right? But as you said, part of it is the, are you willing to take the risk of annoying his BFF, who is the center of your team, mm-hmm. by trading Gensel? On paper, it may make sense if they do fall out of it, well, problem is the optics and the impact associated with it from a personalities within the room perspective. I would give Kyle Dubas enough credit to say that he would talk he would talk to Crosby and he would talk to Gensel before making that move and consult with them and say, okay, if you're not open to this, that's fine. Well, we won't do that and we want to sign you. But but you know, how about this? And Pierre um he speculated the Rangers. Um now if Hedel's contract is um, is on the uh, now. I, I think if the Rangers make a trade, it's for a center. I don't. Yeah, think they, they, Gensel doesn't make sense for them. Um, Presuming Wheeler no. continues to play well on the right, the first line right side. If he doesn't, yeah. you may revisit that in terms of deciding you need a top six right winger, I especially not knowing when Hoff was coming back. I think Russ now that he's healthy and he's coming back, if he does well, they would trade him before they trade Gensel. That's a great deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and the other one, and they didn't mention this player, but I'll mention it because Russ loves him so much, and that's Patrick Kane. The way Patrick Kane okay, is hold on, let's just I want to set the record straight right now. <laughs> I said that Patrick Kane doesn't make you a winner because there's a lot of things that you have to do to get him going. I did say he needed a little more time to see what he's gonna do. Now tell me, Mike, are the Red Wings winning more with Patrick Kane? Yes or no. No, but that no, okay. but That's but is Patrick, is Patrick Kane the reason why that why they're losing? Well, no. he is a partial. No, 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 no. They're losing because their goaltending sucks. But he's a part of it. He oh, is a part of it. He scored in Mike, four. Mike, correlation, correlation, correlation or causation, Mike? It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Look, I'm not saying he's the main cause. No, but I'm I not would saying say the main his cause. Defensive deficiencies of, of times doesn't help the situation and not that he's the main driver. I mean, look, he's, he's eons above where he was last year, Mike. I mean, there's no yeah. question about that, yeah. but I, I, he's definitely not a strong defensive player. Let's put it that way. No, He's a point. He's a point per game player. And he's got six goals in 11 games. I'm not Talking saying about strong defensive players. Alexander Ovechkin now is resembling Mario Lemieux before he came back from injury, like literally just playing at center ice. And if the puck goes the other way, if it's in the defensive zone, he kind of takes two steps. He'll he'll make a jab at the puck. He doesn't hit anybody as much anymore. And he just wants the puck to go the other way. Like, that's literally where Ovechkin's at right now. It's scary, actually. Well, actually, and offensively, he's looked brutal. I mean, yeah. he looks on he, he looks like he's aged 10 years over the summer. He does. Based upon the way his season has gone so far. I mean, it's I watched him the other night against the Rangers. I mean, he he looked a shell of the guy I'm used to seeing when he faces that team. And I watched every one of his shifts. And like I said, did you see him getting involved in in the defense at all? No. No. 
Yeah, well, I and mean, that team's winning. Yeah, but I again, I think eventually, and they got Ethan Bear. I, yeah, oh, okay, we'll just mention that to end here because, um, so Bear signs a two-year deal with the Capitals. Uh, it's it was uh, backloaded, so he gets paid right. more in year two. It walks him to unrestricted free agency, which I think is good for him. It's not a big money deal. Um, it's a little over two million bucks, but he's a right-hand shot defenseman, and um, I mean, I think he helps because remember that defense over the last couple of years has lost. You know, I mean, I won't go back to Brooks Orpik, but I mean, they they did they did lose um, um, who they traded to Boston, who's now in Carolina, uh, Dmitry Orlov. Or and they've lost a couple, and then they've couple, lost a couple other defensemen. So this this helps along with bringing in Sandine. This helps uh, bolster. Break in here for a minute. Owen Beck just took a header into the boards. They're down to nothing, but that could be a five minute penalty with a three something to go in the game. Okay. So Canada, so, even though it's not what they want because it's one of their better players. Yeah. They may get a so break. Six on, six on four. Then probably. I think they pull the goal yeah, and go pull, six on four. The they'll pull yeah. the goalie. But yeah, so um, I'm sorry. So um, now I didn't see the Wilson hit on Truba. Is this something that is going to get this supplementary? Just so it look because it's Wilson, it's a story. Because it's mm -hmm. Wilson and Truba, it's a story. Because right. it's Wilson against the Rangers, it's a story. It's a story. Again, it. it was basically two players. Truba, he came in on a partial breakaway. And mm -hmm. he basically had the shot. It got blocked. He was going for the rebound. And basically the two of them intersected. And when they ah. intersected, the point of contact was Truba hit Wilson's shoulder or some people thought elbow shoulder hitting Truba in the chin. And then he was sidelined the rest of the game. Right. And so I, it didn't look like he raised his arm. It didn't look like he, he was attempting to hit him in the head. The interesting part, I, well, first of all, obviously because those three things I mentioned, it became a story. And then B, Yesterday, the interesting part, as I wrote in my blog today, is in in the comments, and I'll read to you the comments that he said, which I thought was the interesting part when he talked about the play itself, was, um, sorry, let me find the exact quote because I want to quote it exactly. Um, he said, was in the locker room, he, he said, all good. He said, before the Rangers border plane to Florida, the team will play the pants, blah, blah, blah. Just played it safe, and then parenthesis added by the writer, Possible concussion and presses, not something to mess with. Make sure you feel good in the morning and feel good starting, right? And that was the exact yeah. quote. What I thought was interesting is if you look at the post-game comments that the Rangers put out on YouTube, which they do all the time, that whole piece of the comment was nowhere to be found. So <laughs> because he talked about concussion, it's, yeah. oh, my God, we, we can't post it. But but everybody reported. Brooks reported it. No, of course. But what happened reported that Everybody well, reported, so everybody there, knew he was in the concussion. If he mentions concussion, they'll say, "Why isn't he in protocol?" That's why. And he was. No, he did. They did have him in the protocol. They did get it examined. He he missed the last two periods of the game. He sat out because of it. And then the next, he was on the ICS. They would rather not, not be in the morning quotes. That's what they. So right. if you weren't but, there, hey, the odd part is it's out there, right? So not of putting course. in the video doesn't preclude the fact that you can find the quote all and over the place. There's stuff that has been out there in the NHL where we've seen teams just leave out bits of an interview because yep. they're like, no, when they show it on YouTube and all of a sudden it doesn't have. Oh, please. It's a, a normal occurrence. A, a good PR department, when a player says something that they're not supposed to, that 
immediately gets cut off. Like, luckily, the reporter has the audio on their right. phone. And if you don't, then you're not doing your job because right. if you're depending on them. That, that video that goes up on YouTube or the team website, it's washed yeah. of that. If Right. If it's on, if it's on Twitter, um, then it's out there for everybody. It's not all teams. It's, it's, it's out there. It got tweeted yeah. yesterday. It was in the it was in today's paper. So it's all yeah. over the place. I just I just find it very interesting how it's ooh, we're gonna whitewash it though. You're gonna find it everywhere else, but we'll just whitewash it so you can't listen to it on the video. Wait, no, you saw the paper. Do you still get a paper delivered to your house? I still get a paper. Oh my god. I do. Yeah. Wow. Now I'll I'll, well, I'll some just of mention I'll have a 45 minute train ride three days a week into the city, and I like and some of us also on the Sabbath can't read the paper online, so I like having it delivered. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, I'm, I just mentioned the Leafs here before we end the show here because the Leafs are playing in Columbus, which should be a victory because Columbus is hideous. But the way the Leafs have played this year, losing to Chicago, losing to Buffalo, losing to Columbus, uh, you know, getting a point out of Columbus when they were losing 5 nothing, They lost to Chicago twice, and they've lost to Ottawa twice. You know, they, it would be typical of the, of the Leafs to lose to one of the worst teams in the league. That being that being the case, on top of everything, uh, Ilya Samsonov is starting his first game since he played in Buffalo last week and gave up five goals and was yanked. Uh, I said in my column today, Russ, Samsonov is running out of opportunities here. Yeah, no doubt. Now, it's going to be about a month, maybe even a little longer, before Joseph Wall is able to come back from a high ankle sprain. So right now, their options are Martin Jones, um, who's played well enough, but, you know, I mean, he let in a bad goal that cost them the game against Ottawa. I mean, it was I don't think the, the loss was his fault, but but they, they need Samson up to at least be average. If he's average, if they can just get, like, okay goaltending out of him until Wall gets back, then they can – they can ride this out. If he's giving up, and he's given up four or more goals in seven of his 14 starts, he's been horrific. If he does that again, then Brad for Living is going to have to do something. Meaning, yeah, you know, I mean, they're in, a, they're in a tough spot because if they end up having to get a goalie instead of like a Tanev, because that's the only move they can make because that's all they could swing, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I I, I, I really but, don't but if think you that the defense, Mike, if you approve the defense that takes the pressure to a certain extent off whoever's between the pipes, which has been part I, of the problem also. I Yeah, in theory, Jan, yes. But the problem is, is that right now, Samsonov has a broken psyche. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not joking here. He gives up one bad goal and then you see him just completely crumble. And then it's like two or three and then they yank him. And like in Buffalo, when they pulled him after five goals, he went down the tunnel for like 10 minutes before coming back with the baseball cap and sitting at the end of the bench. Right now, like he just doesn't know how to play. They basically gave him three or four days away from the rink, say, you know, like basically reset. Like, okay, fine. But if he lets in a bad goal against Columbus, it's going to be the same thing all over again. So they need him to straighten himself out. And if he doesn't, I don't think they have an option internally. Like a, they have a kid who's 22 years old who's played 15 games in the American Hockey League. He's not ready to come up and play. So they're going to have to probably e either, you know, trade for somebody. Send him to the Marlies. Hope someone takes him. Well, no, he no. They'll send him to the Marlies. It'll clear a little over a million bucks on the cap. And then they can maybe trade for somebody who's making league minimum that, you know, like a trade for a Spencer Martin or something like that who can get them through yeah. the next month. 
I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a great scenario. Yeah, I mean, but Martin, he, he would plug a hole, but again, you're now putting everything on on wall for this year, and he's not even back yet, right? I mean, no, and, and right, exactly, and they and they can't rush him back. You need no. him to be completely healthy because if he goes down again, your playoff chances are done. Hey, here's, I think here's a fun part: what when Carolina placed Anti Ranta on waivers, Toronto could have claimed him. Yeah, but he's making a million. Appropriated amount, but he could have been claimed. He does. They they couldn't have fit him. He's making a million and a half. Yeah, right. Right. But but if you but if you demote Samsonov, you open like one point one two million on the cap by demoting him, and then you could eligible to go down without passing through waivers. Oh no, he has to clear a waiver. Nobody's going to claim him at three point five million dollars when he's playing. Yeah, you would think not. I agree with you. Right, but you. But again. You could have done that by claiming Ronta and then trying to pass Sanson off through and gotten the cap space savings that way, right? You had at you the, had an option for goaltending right there if you needed it. At the at that point, at that point, Jan, it was like ten days ago. They were still hoping this was before he gave up five goals against six goals against Columbus and five goals against Buffalo. So it, it was bad, but it wasn't as Listen, bad. Lance Living's a protected guy in his first year in Toronto, even though he's had some foibles here. Nobody likes to talk about them, and nobody will really admit to it. So we'll have to wait till the season's over, and then when we do the postmortem on Toronto, then revisit what Brad Living did or didn't do. Russ, every GM in this league, based on what Samsonov did last year, would have signed him to the one year. They went to arbitration, and they got him for one year. Every GM would do that, every single one. But he could have made a change. Like He didn't have to go with Samsonov. No, but the, what options were out there? What options? I mean, trade, how do you know if they would have called for Ronta if Ronta could have been traded to him? Like, we don't know. Is Aunt was based on what they did last year? Would Auntie Ronta have been an upgrade over over? Well, he might have been, yeah, because oh, Ronta. On. That, I mean, that's that's hindsight. That, no, it's not hindsight. If you look at their records, Ronta's probably better than Samson. Samsonov had just had a few moments, but Samson Samsonov had a nine eighteen save percentage and got them through the first round of the playoffs before he got hurt. He had a good year last year. Right, now, sounds he, a lot like Jack Campbell. So now you just protect on the other but, guy. But 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 ironically, ironically, Russ, they didn't face the same dilemma that they did with Campbell because Campbell was a UFA right. and they decided not to sign him to the long term deal. With Samsonov, he was a restricted free agent with Arbrights. They got him for one year. This was the prove it year. And part of the reason why maybe he's crumbling is because he knows his leverage in terms, you know, he's done in Toronto. They're not going to re-sign him. No, well, not a chance in hell. Here's what I would say though. Like with this situation, Wall's a little older, but they're almost banking on Wall and True Living doing this with right. the way he signed Samson off the same way that Buffalo is doing it with Devin Levi. It's not that much different. It's not. It's a little bit different because at least Wall has got about, I think, 80 games of AHL. Right, but that's the only – I mean, but it's not a huge difference between no. it. and he's older, and he played really well in the AHL last year. He was an that's- AHL all-star. And he played in the playoffs, and he played in the regular season last year. So, you know, there, I think there's more of a resume in terms of Wall. Now, I think Levi's ceiling is much higher. I think he he's – you know, he could be a oh, great. Yeah. I, mean, I would say his ceiling's higher. Sure. Yeah, I think I. It's it's just it's it's odd. You would I would have thought the Leafs would have had a little bit more in place, based on the fact that I would think that True Living in his first year would really want to you know break through the barrier that you know, of at least getting 
they won't get to the conference finals now, but at least going two rounds. Russ, this team a better effort in the second round. The, the team that he took over was flawed. Had you know, like they they had they had um, traded a, a boatload of draft picks and pro and prospects to get Ryan O'Reilly, to get Achari, to get Shen to win a round. I mean, they want obviously they wanted to win more than a round, but that's what it ended up being. Oh, all right, but they won a round. But the point is, this year, even preseason wise, when everything was rosy, did you think that they were going to get out of the second round? No. I thought they could get to the get to the second round, but with Boston, with New York, with the teams in the East, with their defense the way it was. Now this is you know I assume their goaltending would be the same as it was last year. But it's now been worse because of injury and because Samsonov has taken a step back. Uh, their defense is not as good as it was. Their forwards defensively are not as good. You lose O'Reilly and you lose a Chari. I mean, forget the goaltending for a minute. Right. Some of these other things could have been like. You got to have a plan B. Sometimes you could have looked at some of these things and said, "Okay, if this doesn't work, what are we going to do?" You know, like right. I mean, have a good plan B in place. They, 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 they let they they tried to sign O'Reilly. He decided to go to Nashville. They went with Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he's underwhelmed right now. I still think he can be a good. Uh, winger on one of the top two lines, but he hasn't produced the way they thought he was going to. I think Max Domi has played okay. Uh, the the Reeves the Reeves signing was a disaster, and Klingberg. It, it's like Klingberg never even signed because basically well, I mean, they didn't honestly, they, didn't, they didn't give up anything for him. And no, no, I'm not saying that he's doing no worse than I expected him to do. I expected nothing out of that Klingberg signing. Anyhow, well, to be he honest, got, he got hurt, so that did. I know, nothing. but I'm just. I know but, last year. He, at least he was healthy. Wow. At least he was there. I mean, he's the, like you know, if if he was there, so showing up is, a, is is all it took. No, I mean, I'm not saying he was. I'm not saying he was terrible last year with with Anaheim and Minnesota. He didn't live up to expectations, but at least he was there. At least he, you know, I mean, they would take him being a body right now. He's out for. He might be done for his career. He's having hip surgery, and he might be done at thirty years old. So anyway, yeah. all right. Uh, we we will be back. We will be back next year with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for the departed Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. Uh, have an, an enjoyable New Year. Uh, be safe. Don't drink, safe drink and drive. Sure. All that stuff. Um, I'm not going to. So I mean, if you uh, want to watch my Lockdown Flyers show, we're going to be doing. A taping on New Year's Eve that'll come up that that next morning. I don't think we're putting it on live that night, but we're gonna have a few New Year's hijinks if you want. There you go. I'm, they're gonna be popping corks. Um, and and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.